Hey, welcome back. 220 is the time here at KSL News Radio. I've been putting off this topic for uh, like the whole show. It's gonna it's gonna kick things off with infrastructure. I had a, a great conversation this morning with Debbie and Dave on their program this morning. It was about uh, you know the, the the merits or the lack thereof merits uh, when it comes to the, the the infrastructure package here proposed recently by uh, President Joe Biden. The the price tag is through the roof. Let me uh, let me. Make sure I get the number correctly. Um, oh shoot! It's it's multiple trillions of dollars. All right, and, and if memory serves, uh, it's north of three trillion dollars. And this comes on the heels of the one point nine trillion dollar uh, American Rescue Plan. Uh, that's the the one that uh, that's the one that included the the fourteen hundred dollar. Uh, direct payments. That's the one that uh, included money to bail out some of the states, which imposed incredibly, incredibly strict uh, guidelines on how life could be lived and business could be conducted uh, during the COVID era. And uh, well, <laughs> you'd be surprised to learn that when you lock things down, you don't let people go to work and you don't let people uh, do their job. Uh, e- economies can suffer. Economies can suffer. Uh, here's the number. Washington Post claims that uh, the the plan is to include or is to carry with it a price tag of 2.25 trillion dollars, and that will be money spent on jobs and, and an infrastructure package that uh, could form. This is according to the, this is the Washington Post words could form a cornerstone of President Biden's economic agenda. That is according to two people familiar with the matter. Two people familiar with the matter. <laughs> Uh, I spent some time in Washington, D.C., and I'm going back on Friday. Uh, and, and I can tell you what, th- those two people familiar with the matter, um, they get a thrill. They get a thrill out of being those two people familiar with the matter. I've always wondered what uh, they get in return or what they feel they get in, in return when they speak uh, uh, when they speak via unconventional channels. When you see, uh, you know, those in, when when comments come, through someone, uh, an anonymous source, or someone who is not authorized to speak on the record, I have always wondered exactly what uh, their objective is. Uh, and, I mean, they're, they're incredibly helpful for us here in the news business. Uh, it is difficult, though, to go with unnamed sources because there is an element of doubt to any reporting that's based on an unnamed uh, source. Um, but if, if I'm honest, too, uh, oh, shoot, I said it again. That that line I'm not supposed to say. The texter called me out on it. I can't. I need to stop saying if I'm being honest because I should always be honest, right? At every time, at every at every step of the way, I am honest. <laughs> um, I uh, I lost my train of thought now that I uh, threw myself off course there. Um, oh, th- my, my observation that. This reliance on, quote, people familiar with the matter, close quote, uh, has become uh, significantly increased over the past, uh, let's say, 12 years or so. I have noticed uh, a a market increase in seeing reference made to those uh, speaking on the condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to offer forth comment. I think that if you are going to reveal something, uh, you should should have the guts to, to name yourself. And what that does is it doesn't necessarily end your career. It might, um, but if you feel strongly enough about something, uh, you know, share it uh, or 
find uh, you know the official channel to get that information out. The, the reason I think it lends credibility uh, to stories, if you identify yourself, is that you are able to also reveal then how it is you come about you come about that information. And I know uh, that the reporter's job is to you know make the judgment call uh, because you know the identity and the the context from which your anonymous source is speaking with you. Uh, but it's you know it's an interesting thing. And for me, it's difficult to uh, it's difficult to uh, put stock in uh, stories that are uh, based wholly in uh, quotes coming from those speaking uh, in the condition of anonymity. Anyway, uh, I've been derailed. Uh, what I what I'm talking about here, what I'd like to share with you, some of my views on this infrastructure plan, uh, 2.25 trillion dollar price tag. Uh, the, the the question of infrastructure, it comes up periodically in American history. We create things, uh, roads and bridges and tunnels and other elements of infrastructure. And with time, naturally, naturally, uh, th- there is a degradation, right? Uh, railroad uh, trestles, they come down, uh, they degrade bridges, uh, sometimes rot or, or decay, and roads develop uh, you know, through freezing and thawing or uh, simply use over the decades, uh, holes, and uh, you know, there are sometimes problems with uh, overall integrity. We need to rebuild from time to time. We need to invest in ourselves from time to time. And this is a bipartisan reality. And it is also an issue that throughout history has enjoyed bipartisan support. You can think back on the presidents of yesteryear and identify presidents of all party, of all, of both parties, uh, both parties who have uh, essentially, essentially made their name uh, in in their infrastructure projects, I mean, you think of the highway system. Uh, that's Eisenhower. An efficient highway system was essential to meet the needs uh, of our growing population, our expanding economy, our national security. Uh, those are the words of Eisenhower. And uh, those very same words uh, you can hear uh, uh, uttered by you know presidents of the opposing party. Uh, anyway, so the, the reason I bring this up is it is a real need, and the price tag. It's easy to get hung up. On, on the price tag, uh, and it's easy to say, yeah, this is no good, uh, we don't have this amount of money to spend, that comes up very naturally because we've been shelling out big bucks to battle the coronavirus, trillions and trillions of dollars, uh, and we're talking about uh, we're talking about another handful of trillion uh, to plug up some potholes. If we're smart about it, this, this project and this effort can be one supported by both parties, and I believe it can be done in a way that brings the price down and makes sure that the needs are met. We must invest in ourselves, but we must do it smartly. We can't be frivolous about this type of spending. Uh, we're going to step aside from infrastructure right now, and let me push all the right buttons. We have some uh, breaking news. Kara Hoffelmeyer uh, joins me in studio. Kara, what do we have? So, Lee, we've been following this story in the newsroom. There was a flight that left Salt Lake City International Airport that was uh, very quickly diverted right back to the airport after it took off. We've learned since then that that plane was brought back to the airport because it hit a bird. And we've learned that the on the plane were um, the Utah Jazz team. They were headed to Memphis to go play the Grizzlies tomorrow night. Um, And it turns out that they were on that plane. It landed without incident. 
and um, they were taken safely back to the airport after takeoff. So everybody is okay. That plane only had uh, just hit a bird and received a little bit of damage on the front of end of it. Um, wow. But otherwise, everybody's okay. Except for the bird, of course. Uh, Kira Hoffmeyer, thank you so much uh, for that report. Happy to learn that uh, that all is well relatively, except for that poor bird. Uh, and the you know my my guess is that uh, that this all gets sorted out, and we've got a, a basketball game on our hands tomorrow. Uh, scary stuff, though, right? Uh, as Kira said, we've been kind of tracking this behind the scenes, trying to work on verifying the the various details uh, of this story. And I've been uh, I've been you know, anxious for her to break that story uh, because, uh, you know, imagine, I, I've, all, I've often wondered uh, about uh, sports teams traveling together uh, and what that means. I mean, you have, uh, you know, a concentrated group uh, upon which uh, rests the entire uh, livelihood of an organization. Uh, I think back to that story. Now, this is a far different I- issue, of course, uh, but there's that book, Alive. Uh, I believe it was a rugby team uh, went down in a plane crash in the Alps, and the entire team uh, there on the plane. Uh, read that book. Read the book. The book. The book is much more detailed than the movie. Alive, the book. Give that a read. Uh, anyway, the, the news breaking now is that a, a flight, uh, a chartered flight, uh, taking off from Salt Lake City International, in route to Memphis, uh, had to be diverted after a bird strike. Uh, and that plane has returned. It has landed safely uh, and on board, on board that charter flight, uh, your Utah Jazz. Anyway, all, all, all is well, uh, again, except for that poor bird. <laughs> uh, quick break. When we return, uh, we'll be joined by Dr. Todd Bento, uh, infectious disease physician with Intermountain Healthcare. We're going to talk about uh, how to best identify symptoms of COVID-19 today. We, we don't talk much about the symptoms anymore. And especially with the onset of allergy season, how do we distinguish? How do we uh, safely uh, keep ourselves uh, away from those who haven't been infected? And what should we be watching for in terms of uh, COVID symptoms these days? That's coming up next with Dr. Vento here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.